Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 16th of March of 2023, and I'm going to be discussing an article that was published in the March issue of Critical Care, March 13th to be exact. It is titled, quote, Early Adjunctive Methylene Blue in Patients with Septic Shock, a Randomized Control Trial. Ibarra Estrada and some other legends in the field put together a small RCT looking at using methylene blue as an adjunct to other vasopressors in patients with septic shock. I really like this trial. That's my first bias. It may have to do with the fact that it is great work, but also the fact that I'm quite the fan of Dr. Glenn Hernandez. He's an intensivist and has put out fantastic publications in the past. Not to mention that he's very active on social media and Twitter. He's very accessible and he just happens to follow me. Nice guy. Definitely recommend you checking out his work. Amongst that work that I'm such a fan of includes the Andromeda Shock Trial, which looked at capillary, capillary refill time versus lactate in patients with septic shock. I have covered the Andromeda shock trial before on Instagram, and also it's covered on my lactic acidosis post, which I'll leave a link for that in the show notes. But this is one of my favorite trials, as it not only, as it not only showed that you don't need to be checking serial lactates on these patients to assess resuscitation, but you could use capillary refill time, and in fact, capillary refill testing might actually be better in some in some cases than actually checking lactates on patients. But I digress. Either way, Andromeda Shock 2 is a trial that's currently in the works, and I really like how these teams do their work. I really like the way that they also assess fluid responsiveness in their patients. For example, in the Andromeda Shock trial, it was very, very robust because they don't just give patients fluids willy-nilly. They use true fluid responsiveness in these patients. But they also use the same type of principles for fluid responsiveness in this methylene blue trial. And again, these methods are quite sophisticated. I'll get to more of that in a moment. But before I go further down this post, please, please keep in mind that this is not medical advice. And I definitely recommend you read this article for yourself before you trust me. The article is free for you to download. It's down in the show notes. But let's talk about how typical sepsis management works. Patients show up, suspected sepsis, they get blood cultures, antibiotics, fluids, check lactates, etc. And if the fluids do not get the job done at restoring perfusion, then patients get vasopressors. We all know the drill. Norepinephrine is the first-line vasopressor for most, and then, you know, patients decide to add vasopressin at some point, so on and so forth. Obviously, I have to mention it's much more complicated than that, but getting into the nuances of sepsis management is beyond the scope of this particular podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With our current knowledge in sepsis, our mortality rates are still pretty disappointing, hanging out between 25 to 35%, depending on what you read. But what if there's something that we already have in our toolbox that we know how it works, that we could use to our benefit in these patients? Well, this is where methylene blue kicks in because we already know that this works for a different type of distributive shock known as post-op vasoplegia. After all, mechanistically speaking, I don't even know if that's a word, both post-op vasoplegia as well as sepsis have a significant component of abnormalities within the nitric oxide metabolism. And this is where methylene blue comes out to play. 
it always bothers me to some degree where people say, okay, what are the four types of, of shock? They say, oh, the first one is uh, obstructive. Yeah, right. They never say obstructive. Obstructive is always the, the one that people forget. But they say, oh, hypovolemic. They say cardiogenic. They say septic and then obstructive. I'm like, no, no, no. Septic is one of the components of distributive shock. I digress. To quote the paper, the way that methylene blue works is that methylene blue is a specific inhibitor of the inducible nitric oxide synthase and soluble guanocyclase. Well, guan I can't even say this. Guanolate cyclase. There we go. See, I can't even say these words. But what what this does is that it restores the behavior of the blood vessels when too much nitric oxide is around and it's causing a vasopressor-like effect. Back in 2019, it's kind of crazy, but this was four years ago, I actually covered two papers that are listed on my website that were published in 2001 and 2002. These papers showed possible benefits to methylene blue, but here we are more than 20 years later in 2023 before the excitement started finally coming back. Let's get started on reviewing what took place during this clinical trial. This is an investigator-initiated, parallel, double-blinded, randomized control trial. It was performed at an academic institution in Mexico. The particular unit was a med-surge ICU. By definition, these patients had to be in septic shock. They also had to be enrolled in the trial within 24 hours of presentation. One of the things that one has to be very, very cognizant of when even thinking about administering methylene blue to a patient is what are on their home meds. See, the problem is that methylene blue interacts with SSRIs and causes serotonin syndrome. So you really have to be very careful that the patient's not on, you know, Prozac or Zoloft or one of those medications because you'll actually cause them harm. When we, for example, provide methylene blue in the cardiac ICU, in the cardiothoracic ICU for patients who have post-op vasoplegia, we are very, very diligent about ensuring that the patient is not on any of these types of medications. There are other things that they looked for to not give these patients methylene blue, but that's all listed in the exclusion criteria of the paper, so definitely check that out for yourself. Now, when it comes to dosing methylene blue, this is where it gets a little bit tricky because when we dose methylene blue in the cardiothoracic ICU patient population, well, we know that the post-op vasoplegia kind of resolves within six hours or so. So to mitigate that, here what they did is that they infused 100 milligrams of methylene blue over six hours. And they did this once a day for a total of three doses or three days. This was in addition to the normal sepsis management that they provided for these patients. And I always have to tip my hat to the authors, especially for this team, for how they assess for fluid responsiveness. They went ahead and performed frequent echocardiograms on these patients. They also looked at pulse pressure variation. They performed tidal volume challenges as well as respiratory variation of carotid peak flow velocity. To be quite frank, I don't know how to do the respiratory variation of carotid peak flow velocity in my practice. I don't do that routinely, nor do I know how to do it. But in other words, this was the best fluid resuscitation that a patient can receive per the, co the current practice recommendations. And again, this is how they also did the Andromeda shock trial and how I feel that they're going to do the uh, Andromeda shock trial too. So this is, this is basically the best of fluid responsiveness. They're not giving patients fluids willy-nilly. So here they were able to enroll a total of 91 patients in the study. Now, one of the things to consider about this 91 patients is that this is not a sufficient quantity of patients in order to appropriately power a number of outcomes that we're looking for. You know, for example, mortality. And this is why at the conclusion of this trial, the authors recommended performing a larger RCT 
sooner rather than later. And I totally agree with them. So now let's take a look at the outcomes. The primary outcome was the time to vasopressor discontinuation in hours. This outcome ended up being statistically significant. They found that the methylene blue group had vasopressors discontinued at a median of 69 hours. The control group, however, had a discontinued at a median of 94 hours. The secondary outcome was vasopressor-free days at 28 days. Here, the methylene blue was also beneficial where the median was 23.9 vasopressor-free days versus 19.5 in the control group, a median difference of one day. Right off the bat, without continuing to look at all the other secondary outcomes, one can deduce that ICU length of stay should be shorter in the methylene blue group. Every day that they spend less in the ICU is less cost to the hospital. And to be quite frank, methylene blue is not that expensive. As the patients got out of shock earlier, one would hope that the cumulative fluid balance would be less in the methylene blue group. And this ended up being true. Turns out that there was a median difference of approximately 750 cc's between the two groups, which ended up being statistically significant. Although this did not turn out to create a difference when it comes to days on mechanical ventilation, nor mortality for that matter, but this is where a more appropriately powered study could be helpful as to... And the reason why it would be helpful is because the trend was towards there being, being a benefit with regards to mortality and days on mechanical ventilation. But again, it was not statistically significant. What was pretty clear cut, however, is that there was an improvement in ICU length of stay with the methylene blue group being a median of 1.5 days shorter, as well as having a shorter hospital length of stay where the methylene blue group was discharged a median of 2.7 days sooner. So these are all good things. I need to get back to the mortality outcome, however, because there's something here that bothers me. These clinicians did a phenomenal job of identifying these patients and starting them on appropriate, appropriate, appropriate therapies very soon in the course of their illness. In addition, they used the best possible methods to assess for fluid responsiveness that we have today. I mean, these are things that I commonly teach. They're things that I go over. They are methods that um, I find to be so important to not give patients' fluids kind of willy-nilly. It seems like, you know, they were on top of every one of, these, every one of these patients, whether it was the methylene blue group or the control group. But what really bothers me here, and I'll explain this further in a bit, is that the mortality in the control group was still 46%. That's a, that's a very high mortality. And this mortality is higher than what we've seen in other trials, such as the landmark promise process and ARISE trials that were published, if I recall off the top of my head, back in like 2015 or 2016, um, where they used uh, early goal directed therapy resuscitation versus, you know, whatever the patient, whatever the clinician wanted. But to be fair, uh, you know, you, you can't, you got to compare apples and apples. You can't compare apples and oranges. So to be fair, the Apache score here in these patients, Apache is, uh, signifies how sicker, how sick these patients are. The Apache score here was higher than what we, what we saw in the PROMISE trial, which had approximately 30% mortality. But still, the point here is that the patients that you and I are taking care of are individuals. They're not Apache scores. So is the best that we can currently do with regards to mortality in sepsis still hovering around 40%? And that leads me to think that sepsis mortality, despite the best optimization we can currently do, is still incredibly high. I mean, the, the mortality in the methylene blue group, which was better but not statistically significantly better, that's, that's why I keep on mentioning the whole power argument, was still 33% at 28 days. Again, this is better than the control group, but not statistically significant. 
And this is why larger studies need to take place because this study was not powered for a mortality benefit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With regards to the limitations of the studies, well, there are numerous of them, and the authors freely admit what are the problems with their study. This is why it's important to read the paper for yourself as opposed to, as opposed to for example, trusting what I say here, because it's, it's always good to know what the limitations are of the study. For example, it's not powered appropriately for certain outcomes. But one of the things before we look at those limitations, or I'm not going to review them because they're going to bore you to death, but we have to consider what are the adverse effects of methylene blue and septic shock, because you know, these things do happen and we do have to be cognizant of all the adverse effects of everything we do for our patients. And here, the adverse effects were things that are common or common knowledge to those of us who are used to administering methylene blue in other clinical scenarios. And what they found here was that 93% of patients had that green-blue discoloration of their urine. And if you don't know what this green-blue discoloration looks like, just think about green-blue pee. There are numerous pictures on the internet which show this. And one of the things I think about when they're going to do the larger trial is they're going to have to hide the urine bag if the patient is urinating into a Foley catheter or a, you know, whatever, whatever type of device that collects urine because one would know whether they're in the control group or in the methylene blue group just by looking at the pee. So this is just an expected difference in, in these patients. In addition, there was also an expected difference in the hemoglobin saturation between the two groups. This did not cause any clinical effects, but sometimes you need to check ABGs on these patients if they're if you're unsure about their saturation. But I'm not going to dive into that too much because there's a lot of nuance that goes behind that. There was also no change in the injection ejection fraction, PF ratio, renal function, as well as LFTs of these patients. But again, small study, 91 patients. So to wrap it up, all in all, I definitely commend these authors for exploring a relatively inexpensive therapy, which again we had on our shelves to treat patients with septic shock. There's a lot of research going on with different therapeutics, such as angiotensin II, which I'm not going to poo-poo on, but the reality is it's very, very expensive. So not every institution has it in stock. At times, it's important to reach within the therapeutics that we already have within our institutions and potentially seek new ways to use them in order to benefit our patients. More research on methylene blue is definitely necessary, but I honestly think that this is a fantastic step in the right direction. So I definitely appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end of the podcast. If you could give me a good review on whatever medium that you're actually listening to listening to this on, I would greatly appreciate it as it helps the podcast reach new populations and, you know, they can be prepared for what's coming in the future or possibly alter their management of patients today. Definitely check out these articles for yourself. Thanks for all your support. Have a great day, guys. Bye.